0: Breaking news from KXAN News.
1: Good evening. We start with breaking news tonight at 5. Indictments against 17 Austin police officers related to their actions during the 2020 criminal justice protests will be dismissed.
0: The city of Austin and the Travis County District Attorney's Office say those officers will now be allowed back on duty. You may remember 21 officers in total were indicted related to the May 2020 protests following the deaths of George Floyd and Michael Ramos. CHARGES AGAINST FOUR OFFICERS ARE STILL MOVING FORWARD. REMEMBER, SEVERAL PEOPLE WERE INJURED IN THOSE PROTESTS WHEN POLICE FIRED LESS LETHAL AMMUNITION, INCLUDING BEANBAGS OR RUBBER BULLETS. SOME PEOPLE FILED CIVIL LAWSUITS AND SETTLING THOSE CASES HAS COST THE CITY OVER 20 MILLION DOLLARS. Now, in exchange for the dismissal of the 17 officer indictments, the city and D.A. sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking them to review the police department's actions during the protests. We
1: asked incoming president of the Austin Police Association, Michael Bullock, about what this means for officers, and he says in part this is a step in the right direction and that officers were faced with challenges but acted within the law and kept Austin safe. He adds APA will continue to fight for those indicted officers and claims D.A. Jose Garza has has yet to prove officer wrongdoing. Ahead at six and tonight on KXAN News at 10, we'll have much more on what this means for public safety overall, and for those protest victims.
0: Well, we're learning more about a deadly crash in southeastern Travis County yesterday afternoon that killed four people. According to the Texas Department of Public Safety, a car and dump truck crashed into each other at an intersection along State Highway 130, the service road.
1: KXAN's Sarah Olshay talks to a first responder who tended to that scene and looks at how many crashes have happened in this area.
2: It was the worst crash a state emergency services employee says they've ever seen.
3: I responded to a couple of hundred crashes in my lifetime, and this was by far the most serious, absolutely horrendous scene.
2: We're concealing the person's identity at their request. It happened near the State Highway 130 northbound service road intersection with Mahaloop Road.
3: Numerous calls came in to Travis County 911 regarding a large commercial vehicle that had struck a sedan and the sedan was catching fire uh, with numerous occupants.
2: According to the Texas Department of Public Safety, a driver and four passengers had been driving east on Mahaloop Road at the same time a Peterbilt dump truck drove north. The two crashed in the intersection.
3: There were three persons undergoing CPR at the same time.
2: DPS says one person in the passenger vehicle was flown to a hospital and the other four died on scene. It's unclear the condition of the driver of the dump truck. EMS reported a deadly crash on the southbound service road in late October. But taking a wider look, data shows 438 crashes in all of SH-130 in the last five years. The emergency services employee thinks more traffic enforcement in the area could help. Sarah Olshek, KXAN News. The Travis County Sheriff's Office tells us patrol deputies
1: are assigned to SH-130 every shift. It tracks hotspots, which are those areas where traffic accidents are either increasing or are very common. Now, they weren't able to tell us if SH-130 is one of those areas. Regarding yesterday's crash, DPS says the investigation is ongoing and there is no word yet on the cause. And
0: SH-130 Concession Co. is a private company that manages the 41-mile section of SH-130 starting at SH-45 near Buda and extending south to Seguin. Now, we want to clarify something we said last night at 10 regarding its involvement with the highway. While the company manages the southern portion of SH-130, the company does not manage or operate SH-130 or the frontage road where yesterday's crash happened.
4: (music) First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, it's a seasonably cool December evening in the wake of this morning's rain-free cold front that blew through. There it is well south of our area now with 60s behind it across much of the state, including a comfortable 64 right now in Austin. Tonight, another one of those earliest sunsets of the year, still flatlining at 5 30 p.m. Beautiful clear skies and look at the fall colors. I've loved the foliage out there the past week or two. You can catch it at the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center or on our weather camera there it's sunny and 64 degrees. Coming up in your first warning forecast how cold it gets out there on a chillier night tonight. Unseasonably warm weather and when that returns. Also, we're tracking a close eye on the next storm heading our way.
1: David, thank you so much. 12 years into a lawsuit over the treatment of Texas children in long-term foster care, a federal judge will consider taking some of the toughest and really most extreme actions yet against the state.
0: Today, KXN's Avery Travis listened in on day one of a hearing that's expected to last all week. Avery, what happened today?
5: Yeah, today, really what we were talking about was a request from the lawyers who are representing thousands of foster children. They asked the judge to not only fine the state, But they went a step further. They asked the judge to consider placing at least parts of the Texas foster care system into what's called a receivership. It's a mechanism usually used in corporate or financial law that would allow a court appointee to take control of an entity with the goal of making reforms and experts we spoke with say, this would be a rare move in this type of context, but not completely unheard of.
0: And how's the state responding?
5: Before this hearing ever began, the state began to argue that Texas has complied, they say, with the vast majority of the judges and the court's orders. Beyond that, though, they argued that a receivership could be seen as potentially a federal overstep into state's powers. Basically, by having this federal appointee within the walls of a state system, there could be some federalism concerns. Now, we didn't hear much of that argument today, but we are expected to hear it throughout the course of the rest of the week.
1: And of course, we want to talk about the heart of this issue, all those children in our foster care system and the very people, the social workers who take care of them,
5: of course, and really most of the afternoon was taken up by emotional testimony. We heard from an 18 year old who actually spent years in foster care. She spent time sleeping in state office buildings and hotels because she didn't have a foster placement. We also heard from a former caseworker who described long overtime, even overnight shifts on top of her normal work where she had to watch foster children who were living in these types of unlicensed placements. Mm-hmm. Now, these unlicensed placements have been a key point in the lawsuit. It's called CWOP, Children Without Placement. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the latest report on CWOP filed shows a spike in these types of placements happened over the summer. That report also shows more than 400 kids spent at least one night in an unlicensed placement over the course of the year.
1: There is so much need here in Texas for those kids. It's just heartbreaking to think of them without permanent homes. Thank you so much for following this, Avery. We appreciate you.
0: Well, coming up, the war in the Middle East continues to escalate. We'll tell you how it's testing America's relationship with a key ally.
1: And if you're looking for flights to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, a tough message to hear from Southwest Airlines coming up.
0: Well, today tensions are rising as fighting escalates in the Gaza Strip, testing a U.S. partnership with Israel, a major ally.
1: And there are fears the conflict could spread across the region. As NBC's Alice Barr tells us, it comes as a U.S. warship shot down three drones aimed at commercial ships in the Red Sea.
6: The war in the Gaza Strip has moved south. The people fleeing it are running out of options. Israel is targeting Hamas leaders believed to have regrouped in the south. But that's where Israeli officials told civilians to come when fighting was concentrated in the north. The White House pressed today on its message to Israel, a top U.S. ally.
3: And what we have indicated to the Israelis is they need to use every means and tool that they have available to be sure that when they actually move in in force into an area in the south that they do so with some confidence that people have actually gotten safe passage out of that area.
6: The Biden administration has been ramping up pressure on Israel to protect civilians. International humanitarian law must be respected. Too many innocent Palestinians have been killed.
3: In this kind of a fight, the center of gravity is the civilian population. And if you drive them into the arms of the enemy, you replace a tactical victory with a
1: strategic defeat.
6: Israel is now dropping leaflets with digital maps telling civilians to move from one quadrant of Gaza to another for their safety. But many don't have internet to read the QR code and don't believe that anywhere is safe. It comes amid growing concerns that the conflict could spread. Defense officials confirming to NBC News that a U.S. warship shot down three drones that were heading toward it off the coast of Yemen. It happened during a sustained attack on commercial ships in the Red Sea. Three of the ships were hit. It's unclear if the American warship was a direct target. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels claiming responsibility, calling it a show of support for Palestinians in Gaza. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News.
0: A new report shows just how desperate air traffic controllers are for help the lengths some are taking in order to get the job done and the impact it's having on them and passengers. And temperatures every
4: day so far this month have ended up slightly warmer than normal. Today, one of those days with a high in Austin at 68. Unfortunately, no measurable rain so far, young in this month of December. Extreme drought conditions continue. Your first warning forecast with our next chance of rain next.
1: Well, one step closer to playoffs. And some of you may be looking for flights to New Orleans for the all-state Sugar Bowl. Texas is set to take on Washington New Year's Day, but flights are limited. A quick Google search shows Spirit, American, and United have flights from Austin to NOLA, but they are pricey. The lowest one leaving on the 31st starts at 511 bucks and goes to over $2,000. Southwest has a few available, but not many. The cheapest one, $276, and the returning Southwest flights to Austin on January 2nd and 3rd are all booked. Now Southwest tells us they will not add more flights. And something else that could impact your trip is the lack of air traffic controllers.
0: A report from the New York Times that says those employees are overworked and exhausted, some of them using drugs and alcohol or even falling asleep on the job. NBC's Tom Costello has more from Reagan National Airport. Good day. This is a nationwide problem. Controllers
3: are facing mandatory overtime, 10-hour days, six-day weeks, just as we are facing record numbers of passengers in the air right now. There is a self-reporting mechanism controllers have to report when they may have made a mistake or there was a close call, and now some controllers are taking to that site to report drug and alcohol abuse, even sleeping on the job. It's a high-stakes, high-pressure job, and 2023 has been a year of close calls involving both pilot and controller error, including this one in Austin when a controller cleared a FedEx plane to land just as a Southwest plane was departing. Southwest board. On the go. One big problem, controller fatigue. 77% of air traffic control facilities are understaffed, leading to mandatory overtime. Medical issues forced Neil Burke to retire this year. We're tired of in six days a week. We're tired of in 10-hour days. NBC News has obtained internal FAA documents first reported by The New York Times, detailing controller's own anonymous reporting of mistakes and exhaustion. Among the entries, many employees can be observed sleeping on the job. If I had not been fatigued, I may have been able to recognize the aircraft lined up for the incorrect runway sooner. And I pray no one dies due to controller fatigue also included isolated cases of controllers using alcohol and illegal drugs while on position. One claimed a colleague regularly smoked marijuana on break. Another said a controller bragged about making big money, buzzed. But with more than 10,000 certified controllers on the job, the new FAA chief says substance abuse is very rare. We monitor for drug and alcohol use very closely. We have robust reporting and we follow up on every possible lead that comes in still both the FAA and controllers union say overtime fatigue is real you're missing your home life you're missing your kid your kids ball games and your spouse's events uh, and it does have an effect controller michelle hager left last june
2: that is not a sustainable lifestyle to be working that hard at a job that requires so much mental focus at all times
3: we're working every day to make sure that the the system stays as safe as it has been for decades. We're not letting down our guard, and we're working that issue hard every day. Despite the fact that the FAA hired 1,400 controllers this year, because of so many retirees, at the end of the year, there's only a gain, a net gain of eight. The problem is they're well behind on training. This goes all the way back to before the pandemic, but the pandemic shut down the academy, and they're now down 1,500 to 3,000 controllers. It will take years to catch up, which means many more months and maybe years of overtime. Back to you.
0: And last week, we reported the FAA has been looking into that incident involving the FedEx plane and the Southwest Airlines plane at our airport back in February. A more than 3,000-page report examined things like what the weather was like that day, what kind of training and experience the crews had, and their amount of sleep. You can look at that whole report right now on KXAN.com.
1: Well, now it's the start of December, and it feels like we're in this warming trend. Is that on par for Central Texas weather? Uh,
4: You know, it's always like this, right? (laughs) Texas, what do they say? Texas averages are just kind of the the baseline of the extremes that we always see. At least the foliage has been looking like the season out there. The sun's going down here on the Lorenz and Lorenz 360 cam, but if you look down at the hills, you can see some of those oranges, yellows, and reds. It's been pretty beautiful out there, especially with the trees near the bodies of water, 66 here on the Lorenz and Lorenz. 360 cam under clear skies. A cool front did blow through this morning, not doing much to our weather, but cooling us off a bit and also drying out the air. Relative humidity is less than 30%, which feels pretty awesome out there tonight. With December cold fronts, we start to watch for cedar pollen, and our automated equipment, updated every hour on the roof here at KXAN, is detecting low and increasing amounts of cedar. But just like mold, it is in the low category, so this is not a big cedar season spike. That has not occurred yet, but it will. I'm sure later this month or into January. Here's the satellite and radar showing that cold front well off the Texas coast. Now behind it, sunshine, hardly a cloud around locally, just a few high clouds trying to drift our way from the big country. Uh, Temperatures tonight. This is the big story that we're watching for cold pull an extra blanket on the bed make sure the heater is switched on overnight tonight by 10 p.m. rather we're falling into the 40s and with the clear skies calm winds and that low humidity air many of us will wake up in the 30s closer to 40 or lower 40s in Austin and this won't be a widespread freeze in fact very few of us freeze in the morning except for some of the coldest unpopulated valleys but it will be chilly when you wake up tomorrow so keep that in the back of your mind Tomorrow afternoon, though, a little warm-up happens with sunshine and light variable winds. Instead of the upper 60s, we make it to the lower 70s in the Austin metro area. The weather is really calm and gorgeous through much of the week, but let me zip you out to the west. We'll hold the time here so you can see our next storm in line. This is how calm the weather is. Our next storm to bring us a chance of rain or a big change in the weather It's past Alaska. If we now zip this forward over the next few days, a piece of energy gets sucked into the west coast, into the Rockies, and then toward Texas by the week's end. Here we are Friday evening, four days from now, warm air and some clouds drawing up ahead of this system. central Texas. Then the system itself kind of stays too far north to bring us any appreciable rain or certainly any snow like you see up there in Wichita, Kansas. But we do get a cold front and a slight chance of light rain early Saturday. Then the storm system clears out late Saturday into Sunday, producing cooler and dry weather. For your weekend plans. Over the next seven days, many of us might not get any rainfall as kind of unusually dry December weather for this El Nino pattern that we're in continues, at least for now. From Austin eastward, though, that's where we have a best our best chance of some light rain on Saturday, less than a tenth of an inch, though, I think, for those who see it. Tonight's forecast, clear skies, not much wind at all, so we're in the 30s in rural areas, 41 degrees in Austin. Tomorrow, what a gorgeous day, mostly sunny, not much wind, 72 degrees, about 4 degrees warmer than today. The mornings remain cool. Afternoons just picture perfect and very typical for the season through Thursday. On Friday, I mentioned warm air ahead of the next system. We may touch 80 under a mix of clouds and sun in some areas. There's a slight chance of some light rain Saturday, then cooler, windy weather for your weekend plans behind it. By the beginning of next week, we wake up again in the upper
1: 30s. Oh, that is gorgeous. Thanks, David. An exotic bird makes its way to an Austin suburb, but where did this thing come from? (laughs) The couple working to find out how it got on the side of the road and where's the owner?
0: Right now, families and their babies reunited. We take you to Egypt to catch up with the youngest survivors rescued from the war in Gaza. Also now in as many as 37 states, veterinary and still trying to understand the mysterious dog ailment tonight. Well, a small Leander neighborhood is chirping away after several emus were spotted nearby. Leander couple Haley and Ross Copeland found and rescued an injured emu off of RM 1431 in Big Sandy Creek. The two are now searching for its owners and they post it on social media, but they say no one has come forward to claim ownership of the emu.
6: By the time we got her home, her and I were like bonded. We were
3: like super good buds. I could just put my hand on her, she would stop and then she would let me pick her up. I was exhausted. I'm like, holy, this is the heaviest, like, awkward thing I've ever carried. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: now, the couple says neighbors have spotted other emus in the area. In the meantime, they have nicknamed this bird who they found Willie. He's now Aww. spending plenty of time with the sheep on their farm. Digital reporter Kelsey Thompson has more details on Willie and how to send some tips to the couple online over at KXAN.com.
1: We hope Willie makes it home okay. An Austin resident now $3 million richer from a scratch-off lottery game. The lucky person played the Texas Lottery scratch ticket game. It's called 750 Million Winners Circle if you want to take notes. Now, the <laughs> ticket was purchased at a Texan Mart on North I-35. The Texas Lottery says this was the 11th of 12 top prizes worth $3 bucks to be claimed. In this game, there's a lot of luck
0: in this air. Mm-hmm. All right, well, here's your prime lineup for tonight. The voice starts at seven, followed by Bar Mageddon at nine o'clock, and then we're back with KXAN News at ten.
1: You can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at nine on CW Austin, and here is where to find us.